Welcome to Licked and Loaded, everybody. I'm Laura Desiree. You're going to love today's conversation. My special guest is a woman who has an undeniable rich legacy here in the adult industry, one that has seen, survived, and, and championed so many of the transformations in this business. She has truly been on the forefront of every revolution we've seen within porn and technology. I am so excited to be chatting today with the incredible, the outspoken, the activist, Miss Alana Evans. How lucky am I today to be joined by legacy adult film star, writer, director, uh, producer, uh, singer, all around incredible, absolute, uh, iconic individual, Alana Evans. Thank you so much for being here today on Licked and Loaded. Thank you so much for having me. What an intro. I appreciate you. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're amazing. I'm very familiar with the show. So I'm just honored to be here with you today. Thank you. Well, I'm so happy because uh, when I saw that you joined Cam4 as one of our influencers and started doing broadcasted shows on there, I was like, this is awesome. What an amazing, amazing person to bring to the platform. How did you find your way to Cam4? You know, I've been working the cam circuit pretty heavily since before COVID. And coming from the home base of porn, I'm used to you know, having companies that I work with consistently. So camming has offered a lot of that comfort with me in the same space of being able to work just kind of specifically for companies without necessarily floating around. And mm. what cam for offers to the community as far as the advocates they work with, the um, education that they put out, it really falls in line with who I am as a person, as a content creator, as a performer. And it just really looks like such a, a natural pair up that when I approached Cam4, after meeting them in, in Miami for X-Biz, uh, it was just, it was so amazing and everything happened so smoothly that uh, I'm really, really happy to be with Cam4 because of what yeah. they stand for. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's a big part of it, especially with their community efforts. I mean, in Miami, that expo in particular, I remember we were leading a number of panels that were talking about how to build the community even further and the importance of that. And I could literally go on a 30 hour TED talk about the importance of that because it is such a unique industry. But let's get a little bit of an understanding of your legacy in adult. How many years and what have been highlights throughout? What have been benchmarks? What would you say your brand is in the business? It's I started porn in 1998. So I come from a time when it was VHS. We didn't even have necessarily like DVDs yet. And the internet did not exist. So we were based on showing up to set. You knew the people that you were working with. Um, everybody was family. It was such a small, tight community before iPhones. And I say that because we all know iPhone essentially changed porn. Uh, it made it more accessible and everyone to have equipment that worked well in the palm of their hand. And so, you know, 
the late 90s, it was very uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek industry. As the 2000s came, we saw the huge parody rush. I know I can be partly to blame for that. Uh, one of my biggest roles in uh, porn was playing Mrs. B from Not the Brady's Triple X. <laughs> You know, growing up watching the Brady Bunch and there's the mom and her cookies and oh Mike and all that stuff. And then being asked at 33 to play her when all the girls that were going to be my daughters were like their mid 20s. <laughs> being a MILF did not exist. You know, we didn't have uh, American Pie that gave us Stifler's mom and that term. All of those things were still kind of budding. So it was a weird time when people would be like, you're a MILF and you're just like, ew, I'm not talking about being a mother in my porn. What the hell is wrong with you? Right. And here we are now. And it's just like, yeah, it's just crazy. It's all so different. But I was able to ride the wave. So as things would happen in the industry would change, I was involved in technology or gaming. And, and when, you know, the, the 2010s came and I started Poem by Girls, which was 100% the first ever website that you could watch people play video games and interact with them at the same time. Technology didn't exist. Twitch right. was just in TV. So I'm a pioneer. <laughs> Truly. And I don't say that in like this egotistical way. I say it with pride of recognizing all of these things that could potentially be something cool as a way to engage with our fans and that it explodes and literally changes the entire world. So yeah. I've been really lucky. And then advocacy, you know, when you've been doing something for a certain amount of time and people need help, they just come to you as a mama bear and it evolved in that way where women I didn't know would have very serious issues in the industry. They'd come to me because mm -hmm. I was the scary guy. I was the one who'd yell at the producers, yell at the male talent, um, literally run them out of the industry if I had to because they were doing something that was volatile or dangerous to other performers. And then the union happened and it's all pretty much history from there. It's been an amazing what, ride. What a ride. What what a ride and, and what not an incredible yeah. the singing and the other yes. little weird things that popped up so i've been very lucky very lucky <laughs> and you've just seized opportunities as they've come to you which i think is such a, an admirable trait in in someone's life legacy to say that yeah you seized these opportunities the moment that they came your way i'm sure you chased many of them and knocked down those doors yourself but you used the word pioneer and uh, I think it's very fitting. I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody talking about pioneers in innovation of really all industries or all uh, expression, artistry, you know, technology, whatever it might be. The pioneers are usually the people that kind of go unsung at times. They, they, they open the door or they roll out the carpet and then they just get steamrolled by everyone else who's ready to come in and and seize the opportunity. So how, how do you how do you feel about that as a reality? Does that fit with your life story? I definitely agree. You know, there's a couple trophies up there for unsung siren. You know, um, <laughs> I was a worker and there was a time in the adult industry where that could just be you. Your nine to five was going to set. You'd probably shoot five movies for one company um, if they hadn't shot you out. Uh, so it was always kind of shifting into something. But when you're that type of person that's 
creating these steps that other people will follow, you have no idea what the fuck you're doing at that time or that it's even going to become, you know, this, this amazing platform such as gaming and camming did. Um, So it's tough because you don't know what you're doing. You're, you're using your own creativity and trying to implement these ideas where other people who come after you, they already see that path. And some people might be bitter or frustrated about that. For me, I've always been like, yeah, I'm the OG. It's so cool. And and watching women explode on their, and men too, of course. But I look at more of the women's side in this. And I pull that gender out specifically because historically we, mm. um, you know, it's go make me a sandwich woman. We're not yeah. respected in that gaming community. I had so much hate and drama come my way before um, Gamergate was even a thing. But with me, it didn't matter because, oh, she's a mm. porn star. So we really had to set that path to open and end some of the discrimination that even we as women were just facing in the gaming community. And here I come, oh, yeah, I'm a porn star. We're going to do it topless. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck all of you. <laughs> and that's what we did. And you know, it's funny is the topless gaming lasted for a couple of episodes where we realized, whoa, the gaming community is taking us really serious. Okay. Put your shirt back on. Put, put your yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here I am still doing it playing video games on Sunday instead of now I'm like cover me with water spray spray me yeah. with sabotage time you know just trying to make it interesting it's fun. I, but but, but <laughs> would you say would you say that that's just who you are as an individual authentically you just want to up the ante or keep it engaging like are you that person personality wise I get bored. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I am a creator and a performer at heart. So even when the idea of video games and camming came to me, it was in the basis of what can I do that my fans will pay me? You know, this is early 2000s to late 2000s where camming just started really hitting. But in the sense of, wait, I can pay my living room and roll paint at the walls and guys will watch. Mm. So for me, it was, well, what can I do? What, what do I like to do that would make them? And I'm like, what about video games? And then, you know, explosion, 5 million hits to a splash page in one day. And that point it was like, okay, I guess this is what we're going to (laughs) do. That is revolutionary. Let's be honest. That's like a, a, a sexy Venn diagram of two worlds that just came together in you like that's that's profound and that's historic <laughs> they came together inside of me inside they came together inside game, of baby. you yeah can we talk milf for a minute here uh, i i always love going into the genres of the industry especially when i'm talking with such a heavy hitter here someone who is so renowned for this genre of milf it's become one of the most popular undeniable dominant fucking genres in porn people cannot get enough of the milf experience now as porn does undeniably have its effect on society our sexual lives it definitely has a way of rubbing us a certain way is there a plus and minus to the popularity of the milf genre is there an effect it's made in our world by how we've elevated it what it means that milf 
is such a dominant genre? Is there a good and bad? When I got asked to do the first uh, MILF movie, they came to me and they're like, okay, here's the scenario. We want you to talk about being a parent. And I looked at them and went, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. You're weird. You're, you're weird. <laughs> That's exactly what I told my longtime director friend, uh, Jim Powers, and was like, absolutely not. And I remember going to award shows when they st- first started giving out the MILF awards, like XRCO. And one of the women who actually won that year was like, I don't want this damn trophy. I don't want to be known as a MILF. Ah, uh, because we came from a time where, uh, you know, you had your vivid girls and they were beautiful. They were mature. They were not 19. They were 25 to 30. We didn't need a label. We didn't need a category. You were just this beautiful woman. And then, of course, American Pie, we get Stifler's mom. Here's this MILF and the dawn of a completely new category, which isn't something you see in the porn industry very often. And it exploded. But what it did was, you know, historically before then, if you were 26, you could still look, you know, young and be told, oh, you're you're that old. Like I had that happen to me at 26 years old and was mortified and you just feel shocked. And then here comes this category where I was, you know, seeing women on set that had never even done porn and they were 55 years old. Wow. It opened the industry up to people that never thought that they could have a career and they flourished. And then you would see women come back. So Lisa Ann was a perfect example of someone who'd left the industry, came back. Now we got Sarah Palin. She's her twinsy and it's, you know, nailing Palin and you've got the biggest MILF ever. You're seeing huge resurgences with women like Julia Ann, who was a part of Blondage and, and just a new chance to mm. keep it going. And so I've just been able to like, not ever stop working if if I didn't want to it it made it so that you didn't have to be 19 anymore you'd still have a space in the industry and it really changed everything it's so awesome I, I'm so glad that it happened <laughs> yeah I mean there's the argument you always hear the argument of the taboo of the genre you always hear the argument of well you know what about just women why does it have to be somebody's mother why does it have to be a a, a milf it's like the genres you see are the teens or the legal, the, the just legal, yeah. and then you get to MILF. And why isn't there space anymore for just a hot, confident adult woman? I don't know if men are prepared for that. <laughs> I don't know if men's brains are programmed that here's a hot, beautiful, confident woman. Yeah, let me get it. Because instead it goes, oh, no, is she going to judge me? Is she going right. to want to see how much money I make every month? Right. right? All these other things start to come into play. Whereas they just get this opportunity to sexualize us without having to think about how smart we are. But then here comes that but she's got this mom thing going and let's be real, you know, in this era of having TikTok and I say TikTok specifically because Twitter, you get some kind of posting Facebook, you get other kind of posting TikTok has an allowed women to, you know, be able to label all of the things that we've gone through as people 
Mm-hmm. Right. So with that said, because I'm going somewhere with it, it it kind of opens up this avenue of us being able to speak more freely about our sexualities, about how we grow as people, about how we age. And so with porn, every time we see a revolution as women, men always find ways to enjoy it they need a label otherwise they get confused it's like asking your chick where where are my socks so men inherently love having that mom role that wifey role you know what i mean and so that just gave it even more of that little sample to them <laughs> i just it out <laughs> oh but you've got it figured out when you see, I, I watch a lot of porn. Um, obviously, it's it's part of the job. But when I when I see, say, a, a depiction of a female boss, it's always labeled as like dominatrix and her submissive or milf. And I'm like, what do we even know about this woman being a mother? She just happens to be the CEO of the company. Now suddenly she's a mother. Like there's not even photos of the family on the desk. It's just <laughs> fucking on the desk, right? Like it's, it's the the labels. It's I just I I love milf. I love it. But is there a way that we can also carve some space for just hey she's accomplished and she's hot? Yeah, absolutely. You know what it is. I think we have to come up with a term and yeah. then feed it to the men as if it was their idea. I love it. We'll we'll spitball some ideas, okay? We'll get a little shared document going and do some do some titles. You uh, you're talking about uh, social media, TikTok, and Twitter. Recently, I saw on your Twitter it was sent my way a video that you made being so completely vulnerable, so completely open about a recent event in your life where reality came with a a very ugly side to it. Uh, I was shook by the video i i i was heartbroken we're talking about uh, a departure from a long-term relationship i'll let you take it from here i uh you know i'm i'm recently getting divorced so it all kind of is like oh this is happening you start assessing things and then my bank decides to break up with me and at this point you know the two happening together it was like wow my relationship with my bank lasted longer than my marriage. My marriage was a long time, you know, 20 years. So I'm over here with the bank. I'd been there since 1993. I remember when I opened my account, I was a hostess at, at like El Torito. I was a new mom. And sex work had nothing to do with my life or existence or did I even think that it would be. And, you know, being this person, this advocate and helping people, Over the last eight years, we've watched Citibank, Bank of America, I want to even say City National, Chase, deleting accounts, removing Mm -hmm. people. And a lot of the times they were business accounts. And at that point, it makes it a little more difficult because it's, it's your business entity. When you switch over to a person and an individual like myself, like yourself, and and your bank comes to you and says, you know, we were just kind of looking at our relationship and it's not you, it's us, and we just don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, but wait, you know, I'm at a I'm at a really amazing financially sound time in my life. There's there's no husband missing on my money. You know what I mean? I, I have great credit. I have credit cards through Wells Fargo. So to be told, hey, you're you're going to lose your bank. It was this moment of, wow, this has happened to so many people I know. Now it's happening to me. 
And I was, I was obviously very upset. I cried. Mm -hmm. It was an emotional thing because I felt, I felt discarded for no reason. And then I started to realize I wasn't the only one. And then the anger came in and then more uh, disdain because I'm the union president. If I have people come to me every day about issues that they have, whether it's a company not paying them, whether, you know, they had a problem on set. I'm the one they come to. I use my lawyer. I use whatever resources I can to help people. Well, I don't go to people. There isn't a tier above me that I can go to and say, hey, so-and-so help me. We don't do that. You wouldn't really have other leaders of other organizations come to me to say specifically, you know, Alana, will you help me? There's a lot of pride involved, mm -hmm. I think, in that way. There's also a lot of politics and things like that. But this was an issue that changed it because it became very clear it was a mass removal. And then at this point, I'm I, I literally said to the people in my house, going, I'll be back. I knew what I was doing. I was coming upstairs to talk about this, to record my video, to put it out there because I was so upset. I needed people to see the human side of it. 100% was I hoping that it would catch. Um, and it did, but it caught in a way that was shocking, amazing, heartwarming, uplifting, you know, a lot of people got involved. Tizzy Entertainment from TikTok, almost 5 million followers, picked it up. Rolling Stone, EJ Dixon. I love her. She's on bed rest yeah. right now yeah. with her baby. She was Labor Day weekend writing this story, got it out Sunday. And in my ego and my anger, when I was going through the calls with Wells Fargo, that mm -hmm. last phone call, I said to them, y'all don't know who you're messing with. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be on the news. Now I was angry. I didn't look, and I I said to the lady, "Come Monday, you no know, no, Monday's a holiday. Come Tuesday, you guys are gonna hear about this." Well, I was wrong because it was Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. Sunday, and then um, the crazy side of it that happened was to <laughs> excuse me hear from Wells Fargo by phone. Uh, wow. I received a letter saying they were fixing my account that they weren't going to remove it, that they had checked everything and they were wrong and they're so sorry. Wow. And then later after, yeah, it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, we did it. I was so happy. I was five minutes away from going to Twitter and being like, you guys, look at what we did. But yeah. my move isn't, oh, look at me. I got my page back. It was instantly, what about everybody else? Right. And that's when the phone call came. And the vice president that I had called out from Wells Fargo, his office did their own assessment and a worker from his office called me to tell me that even though the letter I got said I was getting my account back, ha ha, say, <gasps> no, you're not getting your account back. Our boss decided you don't get your account back is what the lady told me. And the thing is, I have all these calls recorded every step of the way when they say to me, we're recording you and we're monitoring you. And I say, okay, cool. Cause I'm recording the call and I'm monitoring you because I needed the proof, especially when they're yeah. telling me it was random. So yeah. So there's like a handful of lawyers who are encouraging me to sue because at this point it's not only discrimination, they retaliated against me and, yes. and I have proof. So I don't know what they're thinking. The guy got his panties in a twist. He didn't like seeing his pretty little picture on my Twitter page, but too bad. That's your job. 
when people get mad at the union, it's my face that they plaster everywhere, call me all kinds of names. Well, Wells Fargo, that's your job, bro. That's your job. This is um, uh, this is a major moment in history for individuals that make up this industry, just fighting for the most simplest of legitimacy. Let's be honest, a fucking bank account. So where is it right now? Exactly where you left it? You're waiting, you got lawyers, we're waiting to find yeah. out what the next move is. Um, and then I started, you know, everybody and their mom says, go to a credit yeah. union. And of yeah. course, um, so I did, I, I'm, I'm working on that. People are like, where are you going? And you know, I don't wanna say it publicly, but there are places you can go based on family members, their service to the mm-hmm. military, things like that. So I'm looking in ways that they can't cut me. My son served for the U.S. Marines. My mom was in the military. My dad was in the military. So I'm looking at other ways of being protected because mm-hmm. if I go to one of the mainstream banks, that's over. Uh, there's big discussion about these secondary online banks and people are talking about Chime and stuff like that, which sure, I have all those, but you don't think about using them as a bank account. But the number one thing that we've connected about what got me flagged were my OnlyFans deposits. And that's how we realized that, you know, I'm not walking and cashing a bank. I am getting a log deposit into my account every time I do a deposit. That's what we all have in common it's given the banks a really easy way to search their systems to find out, oh, is she a sex worker? Well, she's getting those right. Phoenix checks. So so you've got this wave of panic now in the industry because even I'm a content creator. All of us, when we saw this story, we go, oh my God, what do we do to, is this going to continue to just sweep across all of us? who are receiving transfers from our platforms directly to our banks. Where does it go from here? What do we, how do we prepare? We pay taxes. This is legal money. I am not a money launderer. I have enough money in my bank account for people to be thinking, damn, I don't know what Alana's washing. (laughs) I am not a hundred thousand dollar a month OnlyFans girl. Like I don't ever, I have a million jobs. We don't have time for that type of dedication. So, you know, it's like exactly what do we do? Uh, We are very lucky. I actually had banks come to the union about wanting to have meetings with us to open up their services for our members, regardless wow. of, you know, our our amazing legal jobs. And it's funny because a couple of them are located in Texas and you're like, oh, Texas, no way. But then I'm like, but no, they care about the money and mm-hmm. they are not looking at us as, oh, I'm going to judge you based on what my religious choice is, at least not at this moment. I don't know if six months or a year, that might change, right? But at least at this moment. So having those options and those doors opened were amazing. But see, I am not the girl to mess with because I do things. If you attack my community, I'm going to go find a way to make this happen. So we started contacting legislators. We were already working on occupational discrimination mm-hmm. as we coined it because there are- Because multiple- it is. Yes. You are discriminating against us because of our job. And there are other lines of work where people deal with that. You know, people in the military have hard times, not necessarily maybe with banking, but where they shop and where they do businesses. Um this is the crazy part. I learned that 
at-home daycare owners themselves are often denied banking and loans because they're at-home daycare workers and their job is helping women, you know, go to work by watching their children. So you start mm. to recognize all these weird little, and I, I hate this word and the idea behind it, but it's true. All of these odd patriarchal rules put into place that at the end of the day, the main gender they're really screwing with is women. Yes, it happens to all of these marginalized communities, but women themselves are marginalized. That's that's who we are. And that's the reason why they're messing with us. So um, it's really allowed us to kind of look at different banking acts, uh, see the relationship between legalized marijuana and the adult industry and how we're both shamed without proper banking avenues. So we made a lot of friends in this move. And I think I'm hoping we might see some potential changes in legislation towards fair banking because of this. It's amazing. It's, it's an undeniable boom as well that happened with content creation in particular. It gave so many individuals the opportunity to make a livable income, but also make a better life for themselves for people that did try to really, you know, monetize the situation by pulling in their fan bases. And I think it's just that us making money this way bothers them. It does. They don't don't want this. We don't need them. And, you know, porn allowed me in the 90s to leave my abusive police officer husband. If it wasn't for porn, I would have still been stuck in that terrible marriage if I was even still alive because of the dangers that go associated with that. So, yeah, we're examples that we don't have to follow that anymore. We don't have to be abused. We don't have to be taken advantage of because we can take care of ourselves. And they hate it. They absolutely hate it. And a perfect example that I will use uh, in December of this year, we went to Washington, D.C. for the first time. We got invited, myself and my former VP, to a uh, brunch-in lunch with speakers, and it was called Right Here Now. I am a Democrat. We are straight up. We were wearing our masks because it was still COVID. And these were all pick-me women that were wives and spouses of Republican men in having this session. And one of their speakers... One of them was Kellyanne Conway, if that tells you the vibe. Um, One of their speakers started going on about labor laws and said how awful it was that the government wants you to send your kids to these little buildings where they're going to teach them, not you. And we're like, you mean school? What? (laughs) And then the next, right? And then the next statement out of this lady's mouth was labor laws are a violation to women. And at that moment, as a union president, my VP and I went, oh, we're done. And we got up and we left because I couldn't sit and listen to women try to express to other women, you don't want your kids to go to school because you want to indoctrinate them. And then two, you don't want to leave the house to go to work. No, your job's at home. We're going to teach you how to do a stay at home business. Guess what? I have one. It's cool. You already have. Yeah. (laughs) I already got one and it's fucking awesome. it's it's kind of terrifying that there's this active movement happening to backpedal women this way. And we're not in those spaces. So yeah. they're not going to say that to you or I because we wouldn't no. even hear it. But it's when right. we infiltrate these little circles and see what they're talking about that went, oh, we have a totally different fight here. 100%. I'm all about talking to your enemies and meeting your enemies because you get to learn them. And then you can yeah. build a, a better, you know, fight. 
honestly. That's that's what the point of being at that was, I imagine. <laughs> is to know thy enemy right i mean and i hate the idea of it being so venomous that we are enemies we're not enemies but it's having that (laughs) awareness of what is happening and what's being put in the water today yes and if you're telling women that labor laws are a violation to women's rights you are 100 my enemy (laughs) 100 and we have to fix that and it's a conversation and we went so that maybe we could have the conversation and have some people get to know us We're not these big, scary, you know, succubuses that want to drain their husband's wallets. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes, but I I don't want to take money out of your kids' mouths. So I won't do that. But how about you don't do that to mine? Right, right. Oh my God. Powerful stuff. Holy shit. Holy (laughs) shit. You are literally, you are on the front line of this. I, I, I thank you for that because it's, it's such necessary work, such a necessary stance to take as these times continue to escalate on both sides of the argument. I am feeling the escalation and I am witnessing it. And you are one of these brave people standing right at the front line. It's fucking incredible. Thank you for your time today, for being as open and and vulnerable and going to these places. I know that this is such a, a thrill for our listeners. So thank you so much, Alana Evans. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed my time with you today. You are awesome. And thank you for helping me get the message out. It's all about working together because we can combat them. We are stronger than they are because they're basing their things on things that are just absolutely crazy. But we've got to stick together and not have internal fighting. But I think that we've really teamed up in that way. So it's awesome. We teamed up in that way. Let's keep doing it, honestly. For people that are watching and listening and want to get in touch with you and learn more all about you, all the links, where can we find you? Uh, obviously, Twitter and uh, other social media. I'm Alana Evans XXX. The union is APAG Union. So it's APAGUnion.com on Twitter. We have a lot of information, education, resources, stuff like that. And my DMs are always open. As long as you're not sending me dick pics. Although sometimes. (laughs) Outstanding. Thank you so much. And everyone watching and listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Licked and Loaded. Remember to like, favorite, and subscribe to this wherever you are listening to us. And tune in for the next one. We will see you next week. I'm Laura Desiree, and that's all for now. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That was so much fun. You are amazing. And I'll make sure that you... um, I'm going to email you because I need a promo picture and you get paid for this. So all of the good, all the good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. This has been a Cam4 Radio production. Come say hi at www.cam4radio.com.